That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you, choir and orchestra. Just enhanced everything this morning. And I, I know you probably know this, but the word behold literally means to be held by something. Jesus said it often that you're behold, like don't let, don't just get caught up in everything, but let this truth hold your attention. And so I hope that this morning that has been the absolute truth of this. I want to piggyback on what Kicker said about our graduates as I look at these pictures. I remember when some of them were born, when they were in children's ministry, Awanas came through the bridge in the student ministry. It's just a great, great thing. I want to encourage you, if you would take this, be sure and keep it in your Bible for years now. I've kept every one of these over the years, and keep it in your Bible, and when you pull this out, that you would remember these young people's faces. Some of them will go off to college, and the Lord will move them different places, but you'll remember these folks, and you will pray. So use this as a prayer guide. In fact, for you students, uh, I have really been thinking and praying about you, and so this morning, my message is directly for you. So I'm going to have you stand throughout the host service this morning, okay? And... Uh, no, not really, but I, I want you to particularly zero in and hear what is going to be said today. I really hope that you'll do that. If you have been reading through the Bible with us, uh, we are using this guide. And honestly, if you're new here or if you have not been, I want to encourage you, you could still start with this. Pick one of these up at the welcome desk out there. You could find kind of where we're at. We're actually memorizing some passages together. And what's so good about this is, you know, when we see one another, we can ask how you're reading or verses are and just really gives us some conversation to catch up with one another and what God is doing in your life and my life as we're reading through the scriptures together. And as you have been reading, you have been reading through 1 Samuel. And I don't know uh, if you, like me, whenever I have read through the Old Testament, I think about the children of Israel, and but what a bunch of whining people. Like, they didn't seem, could ever get things right. They just constantly were goofing up. And I would go like, God, how did you put up with them? And then, if you're like me, you have to quickly go, oh yeah, I'm just like them. And so I'm just reading about myself in the Old Testament and how they just couldn't seem to keep it. And the deal is, one writer said that the Israelites, the children of Israel, have had a long drift from God. In fact, right after they were released from Egypt, Moses takes them across the desert. As you read all those stories, you realize there's just a constant drift from God. And so we're going to pick it up today, if you will, take your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and we're going to pick up a story about a prophet and how God uses him, and then we're going to really discuss about two different people, Saul, King Saul, who honestly in the Old Testament would be the picture of a man without a heart for God at all. In fact, he probably wasn't a follower of God at all. And then we're going to look at a David for a little bit, a man after God's own heart. And so again, for our students that are graduating and stuff, I hope that you'll really pay attention. If you are there, 1 Samuel, we're going to start in chapter 8, if you will. And start in chapter 8, verse 4. 
Then all the elders of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel, and they said to him, Behold, you're old, and your sons, they do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. They just wanted it to be like everybody else. But the thing displeased Samuel. And he said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Now, if you will, take a right, 1 Samuel chapter 10, if you will. And so you can see the people, they no longer want to take word from God. They want to be just like everybody else, have a king over them. So Samuel goes and does what the Lord is directing him to do and the people. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 20, it says this, Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clan, okay? So he brings them close to them. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, they could not, he could not be found, in verse 22. So they required again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage, then they ran, they took him from there, and when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulder upward. And Samuel said to the people, do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people, and all the people shouted, long live the king. So in other words, the one they're looking for is a coward, and instead of looking at maybe some courage, some character. They're just looking at an appearance. Hey, he's taller than anybody else. Like our king will be, you know, head and shoulders above anyone else. That's who we want. And so they pick him. And, and you know this, right? The People's Choice Award is usually wrong. It usually is wrong. And young people, you know this, but the majority of the people in the world, they will not follow after God. So when the majority, like, is always ruling, you have to realize the people's choice usually is the wrong choice. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, would you read this with me? In fact, let's go back. Okay, it's not up there, so I'll just quote it for you, all right? So Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way, what do you think it is? It is death. It is death. So there's a way that seems right to a man. If you leave God out, if you leave his word out, man will always choose the way that will lead to death. So Samuel, the prophet, is trying to give the king Saul some direction. And yet he continues to not do that. In fact, he says to King Saul, listen, I'm going to be there in seven days. Wait for me, and then I will inquire of the Lord. But if you will, go to chapter 13, 1 Samuel 13, starting in verse 8. Because what happens is the Philistines come out, they begin to fight the children of Israel, they begin to scatter, people are getting afraid, if you will, starting in verse 8. 
It says, he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me, and the peace offering. And he offered burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went to meet him and greeted him. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed. What did he just do? Blamed Samuel for his rash actions. And then the Philistines, they begin to muster, grow strong against us. Verse 12, I said, now the Philistines will come down against us, and I will sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself, offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. And here's this little statement that you and I are pretty uh, well familiar with, right? A man after God's own heart, right? It's like, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting up. I can't even operate. I'm a man, and I can't even operate uh, control. You can imagine what it's like at home, all right? So a man after God's own heart, we've heard that over and over. Like, like what is that? And you all know this, but it is what? It is a person, it is a person, man, woman, who will wholeheartedly, nothing held back, but who will wholeheartedly follow after God, wholeheartedly. So this is not some mystical person. This is not someone, uh, just someone, oh, this is just someone special. Honestly, every one of you and I, as followers of Jesus, we can be this. This can be our character, that we are someone who is wholeheartedly seeking after. Saul simply didn't take the commands of God seriously, and he did not have a heart to obey. And before we go any further, here's this little point. You know, waiting, because Samuel, he waited a little bit. It was obviously God's appointed time. But you probably know this, and it's probably a, just a reminder for all of us. But waiting is often a test from God if we'll be faithful and if we'll be obedient. In fact, in a little bit, we'll find out about David, who was a shepherd, who had a mundane job, who kept his, sheep, his father's sheep. And he did that day after day after day, but he had a heart after God. And oftentimes waiting, and many of you in this room, you are either waiting on something, you've been waiting on God to do something, or maybe you're not there yet, and one day you will be waiting. But honestly, is waiting to be passive? Waiting is not a passive thing. You and I, in whatever God has put before us, we're to be what? Faithful and obedient in that thing. We're to be active now. So you young people, you 
obviously sometimes think I've just been waiting for this next season of my life, you know, to graduate and go to college or to go into my career. But hopefully you have been faithful and obedient in this season of your life. Because here's what I have found, and all of us can attest to this. If you haven't been in this season of your life, what makes any difference in the next season? So being faithful now, being obedient now for the next season in your life. So hopefully you realize that because honestly, you and I will be waiting at times for many things. And so will God find us faithful and obedient in the midst of whatever it is. In fact, 1 Samuel chapter 14, we'll not look at the whole chapter, but maybe the very beginning of your chapter, it says something in your Bible like, Saul's selfish or hasty vow. This particular, uh, honestly, from a Proverbs, it would, it would be to me this. I'm sorry, it's not there. So let me tell it to you. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Because chapter 14, King Saul just keeps making hasty vows things that he hasn't thought through, things that he really doesn't have a heart for, and he comes to really some bad, bad situations. But now I want to spend our time, if you will, in 1 Samuel 15. For many of you, this chapter is something you've read maybe for a long time as you've read through the Bible. Uh, I just want to spend a little bit of time here. It says in verse 1, Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over the people of Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came out of Egypt. You can read that story. What happened is these particular people were such cowards that they attacked the children of Israel from behind, where all the slower weaker, some older families with children were, and they attacked them from behind, killed many of them. And so God says, hey, listen, I made note of that. And in verse 3, it says, now go and strike Amalek and devout to destruction all that they have. Do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. God left no room for them to pick and choose, right? There's there's like no question what King Saul is to do. Verse 7, Saul defeated the Amaleks. Verse 8, he took Agag, the king of the Amaleks, alive. He devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. So first of all, did he keep what God told him to do? No. He kept the king because it was a custom that if you captured the king of the enemy, you would parade him before your people and show victory, and then they would humiliate this king in front of him. Honestly, King Saul, he's kept him to really enhance his own glory before the people. And verse 9, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best sheep and the oxen and the fat calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. 
And Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself, and he turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be the Lord, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen that I hear? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amaleks. For the people spared, again blaming someone else, the best of the sheep and of oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. They chose the best sheep and oxen to sacrifice. In other words, what? These people were willing to make an offering that did not cost them anything. It's like they saw that here's some great sacrifices, you know, instead of taking them from our own flock, here's some. Why would we destroy these? We could take these and offer them to God. It wouldn't cost us anything. We're just going to offer them up and we'll keep our stuff. And so again, a heart that is not towards God is just like, hey, the appearance is of a sacrifice, but it really doesn't cost me anything. So in other words, a heart that is not Godward is just all about appearance. Just make it appear that it looks like we're going to make the sacrifice to God. But honestly, it's not from the heart because the thing is they picked and choose. And a heart that is not after God, that's what a heart does. I mean, I've been there before. Even in my following Christ, I have slipped to the point where I'm picking and choose, hey, this is right, this is wrong, this is what I'll obey, this is what I'll not obey. But that is not a heart that is Godward. It's like God has said this, and this is exactly what needs to happen. But there's a real given here, because did you catch at the end of that particular sentence? Because King Saul said, to sacrifice to your God, not my God. It's your God. It's not my God. In fact, he wouldn't even identify with him. It goes on to say that the rest we devoted to destruction. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And he said to him, speak. And Samuel said, though you are little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribe of Israel? The Lord appointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And, and Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have gone on mission of which the Lord sent me. I have brought Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and I have destroyed them to destruction. But the people, they took the spoil, the sheep, the oxen, the best things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord. King Saul had no confession. There was no repentance. Only what? Just justifying everything he did. In verse 22, Samuel said, 
Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, in other words, don't miss this. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than just having a ritual. To obey is better than just having a routine that a person does. To obey is better than having the appearance of godliness. And to listen than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. In other words, King Saul pronounced himself, he was an idolater, he put his wants above God's, and because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. 1 Samuel 16. So we turn from one guy who obviously did not have a Godward heart. There was nothing in his heart, nothing in his life that wanted to obey God, seek God, honor God, nothing at all. And then if you go to chapter 16, you, you know this story probably well. And the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go and I will send you to Jesse the Benjaminite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. If you will, go down to verse 6. When they came, Jesse began to bring all of his sons before Samuel. And you know this. uh, He brought the oldest and here the oldest is big and strong and Samuel begins to look at him, but verse 7 says, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on what? He looks on the heart. And honestly, just like King Saul was all about appearance, Even the prophet Samuel can get caught up in appearance. He got caught up in the same thing that the people did to to choose King Saul. Hey, look how tall he is. And God's saying, listen, I don't do it like that. I'm not looking at just appearance. I'm looking at a heart. And you have to understand, for the Hebrew, the concept of heart meant all of life, like all of the person's being. You and I know from Jesus, it's how he talks because out of the heart, your mouth speaks. It's how he thinks, the conduct of his life. It's everything about him. It's things that you and I don't even see, like how faithful he's been in just mundane things that God has put before him because God, maybe he's testing him, seeing how proven he is and seeing if he'll take care of little things so that he can also then put big things in his charge. And so it's just a constant deal of appearance. In verse 10, And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he's just keeping the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, 
for we will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent, he brought him in. Now he was ruddy, he had beautiful eyes, he was handsome. The Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, he anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. In fact, for me, as a new believer, this is the first passage I ever memorized. And to me, this kind of encompasses shepherd boy David. This is what, when I think of, uh, when I think of this verse, I think of David. In fact, would you say this with me? And I'm going to encourage all of us, but especially you who are graduating, that you would take this verse and you'd put it to memory. That you, from now on, you would be having this in your heart. Would you say it with me? For the eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is completely his. And as a new believer, the guy discipling me said, man, you need this verse. Because honestly, you might not think that God sees where you're at or knows you or you don't maybe think you're significant or whatever. But listen, he is looking everywhere. And when he finds someone whose heart is completely his, he wants to come alongside and do incredible things like strengthen them, give strong support. And here David is, and he is this kind of a guy. If you will, in verse chapter 16, start in verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit came from the Lord, tormenting him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre and when he harmful spirit from God is upon him, he will play it and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. And one of his young men answered, behold, I have seen the son of Jesse. He is skillful in playing. He is a man of valor. He is a man of war. He is prudent in speech a man who has good presence, and the Lord is with him. If you will, go to chapter 17, verse 15. So what happens between these, these passages is David begins to serve King Saul, and he does this very thing. He plays for him, and he calms him down. But verse 15, just so that we won't forget, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So here David is in the king's service, but he still has to take care of his father's sheep, that mundane thing that we would go like, hey, you're serving the king. Why would you give up, uh, you know, give up that job so you could do this job because you're serving the king. But what was David? He was, he was someone who was faithful in the little things, in the mundane things, and so what'd he do? He'd keep going back, taking care of his sheep. And it is no surprise when we read, from the care of ewes with suckling lambs, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them with his skillful hand. God saw, even in the mundane things, 
David was faithful and he was obedient and he knew he could be trusted. If you will, look at verse 22. What happens here is his oldest brothers have now gone into battle with King Saul. And we know that Goliath, he is the champion of the Philistines, is there. And so his father sends David to take provisions to his brothers. In verse 22, and David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage. And he ran to the ranks and he went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of God, Goliath by name, came out from the ranks and he spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. Now, that might not seem like very important, but here's the deal. Goliath has been coming out day after day. He's been offensive to God. He has downplayed the children of Israel. He is calling them out to battle day after day, and nobody is stepping up. In fact, everybody's afraid. David comes to bring lunch to his brothers, and here's the guy one time, and he takes note. You know why? Because David's heart was so tuned to do God's will, here's a characteristic of that person. They're very sensitive to what offends God. A person, man or woman, doesn't matter what your age is, as a follower of Christ, your heart is Godward. Things that offend God, you will be very sensitive to because it is your God that they're mocking. And so you take note of that very quickly. If you will, look at verse 31. When the word that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And so David, he said to him, like, who's going to go out and fight? He is offending to God and to the children of God. Who's going to go do this? And so Saul catches word of it in verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight him for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep the sheep of his father. And when there was a lion or a bear, took a lamb from the flock, I went after him, struck him, delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defiled the armies of the living God." And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. And again, one of the characteristics of a person who has a heart to follow hard after God is this. He's quick to acknowledge God in all of his ways. Did you notice that? He said to King Saul, hey, it is God who's going to do the fighting. It, it is God who is he is offending. He is quick to put God out there in front of any and everyone. And honestly, as you go from this season to the next season of your life, you're going to see more and more and more of this. 
And so I would encourage not only our graduates, encourage all of us that we would be quick to acknowledge God in all of our ways. In fact, many of you know these two verses. I understand it is the most quoted verse. It is on the plaques in Christian bookstores more than any other. And you probably know it, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Can you say it with me? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or make him known. And he'll do what? Yeah, yeah. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. So a person whose heart is after God, what? He trusts in the Lord with all his heart. I like trust and obey. You can put those, you can use them. He trusts in the Lord. He obeys with all. He doesn't lean on his own understanding, meaning it's not a picking and choosing. God has already laid it out real clear in his word what you and I are to do. And so you trust the Lord with your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. You acknowledge him in all of your ways. Do you know what it means to acknowledge? Like, have you ever walked into a room and someone ignore you? It makes you feel crummy, doesn't it? But like when you walk in a room, they acknowledge you, they recognize you, they greet you, they welcome you. That's how, what you and I are to do in every situation in life. We are to acknowledge that God is right here. He's in this situation. He's with me. I am to obey him. And he will direct my path. I always thought that means if I do these things, all of a sudden God will, like a runway, light up the path that I'm to take. The truth is, he's already told us which way to go, right? So you trust the Lord with all your heart. You don't lean on your own understanding. You acknowledge him in all your ways. He will direct your path. He's already directed your path. It's right there in his word. You obey him. In whatever he gives you to do, you obey him. He directs your path. Here's just one last. He stands alone. He stands alone knowing he will never be alone. The deal is no one went out with David, right? No one went with him. You know the story. But David went out alone, but he realized what? He wasn't alone. And not only graduates, but every one of us in either in the work field or our neighborhood or maybe it's in your family situation that there are times it's just like you're the only one going to stand up. You have to realize you are not alone as you are standing alone. You're never alone while you're standing alone. And you'll have to. You'll have to at times stand alone. In our world today... There are times you will have to stand alone. You have to realize you're not. And so here's my last encouragement to you. And I just want to read it. My encouragement to you is to keep your heart. Not just you students, but every one of us. You and I have to keep, guard our heart so that it will be fully, wholeheartedly to obey and follow after him. But you have to keep it. Because if you don't keep it, then it gets easy to pick and choose and decide what you'll obey and what you'll not obey. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, you heard this. But I would encourage you, 
Keep your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. In fact, in your notes, if you'll look over on the left, whenever John Wesley was heading off to college, his mother, Suzanne, wrote a note to him. And he said this, she said this to him. Whatever weakens your reason impairs the tenderness of your conscience. You know what that means, right? You know, your conscience is a God-given alert system. And as you and I take the Word of God and we keep putting it in us, it helps our conscience be more and more sensitive to the things of God. But the deal is, if we ever violate our conscience, in other words, we begin to do something, our conscience goes off, and we still push through it, what it does, it weakens the conscience and to a place that it even says in the New Testament that some have come to a place that they have seared their conscience as with a hot iron. In other words, they don't feel it anymore. Uh, it's not wrong anymore. I don't feel guilt anymore. Do not violate your conscience. So tenderness of your conscience, obscure your sense of God, or take the delight from spiritual things. Whatever increases the authority over your body, over your mind, that thing is sin. My encouragement, not to you students, but to all of us, myself more than anybody, keep your heart. Don't let anything get in the way of its tenderness towards obedience, towards God in every aspect of your life. Keep your heart. Would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes for a moment. Only you know the condition of your heart and you realize to have a heart after God ultimately begins with God. It ultimately begins with God in your life, changing your life. And maybe there's someone here today that has never taken place. Like you've never trusted Christ. You've never given the controls. You'll, you will not be able to have a heart after God because he's not given you a new heart. And the good news is that's why Jesus died. That's what he offers to you and I, forgiveness of sin, come into your life to change make you a new person, to give you a heart that wants to fully follow after him. That's where it starts. For those of us already done that, our job is to continually maintain sensitive to the Spirit of God. Confession, repentance, not picking and choosing this is what God says. This is what I will do with his help. Father, I come to you and ask that you would give everyone 
of your children this morning. In this room, those listening in the overflow or still at home, myself more than anyone, would you help me keep my heart? May it continually be tender towards you. When I begin to pick and choose what I'll obey and what I'll not, may the alarm that your Holy Spirit, my conscience in me would just ring loud and I would be quick to turn from that. God, I pray that you would help these young people that are graduating and some will move away and go to college, different things. I pray that you'd keep their hearts and the things that they have been learning and all their years of growing up in their homes and heritage, may they not quickly be taken from them. I pray that they would stand strong. I pray, God, that you would help them to stand alone. There'll be times they'll have to, and I pray they'll give them courage to stand alone, realize the promise you'll never leave them or forsake them. Father, I pray that you'll do a work in all of our hearts. Our world needs to see people whose hearts are fully towards you. I pray that we'll remember the promise that the eyes of the Lord, they run to and through the whole earth seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely his. May our hearts be completely yours. May you show yourself strong. May your glory be known in our homes, in our work, in our neighborhoods, wherever we go in our schools, in our new jobs, in our new college experience, wherever you take us, I pray that you will do that. And I ask these things in your precious name. Amen.